That's the beautiful work of the legendary jazz bassist Ron Carter with Seven Steps to Heaven. Carter is the artist in residence for the Detroit Jazz Fest this year. It's fast approaching. It's all going down this Labor Day weekend. What we can expect from this year's Jazz Fest, the 37th year, we're going to find out right now. We're joined by Chris Collins, President and Artistic Director of the Detroit Jazz Festival Foundation. And uh, once again, Chris, it's a real pleasure to sit down with you. Long overdue, man. Great to hear you. I enjoy your show. And uh, um, I always enjoy WDET. It's a real part of the community. Yeah, well, I think that we are kind of like in a relationship here. That's the way I see it. You know, we're all in this together, the cultural community. We all play a different part. And uh, you've been playing a really big part now for 37 years. It's just wild. Let's just, before we talk about what we can expect this year, let's rewind just a little bit. Because one of the things that I think about when I think about the Detroit Jazz Fest, I think about how diverse it is, how inclusive it is for the listeners. So many different uh, subgenres of jazz represented. But then I also think of the footprint, man. I mean, Labor Day weekend, the Detroit Jazz Fest now takes up a pretty large swath of downtown Detroit. That's not where it started. No, it really isn't. And you know, I mean, my perspective is one, if you can imagine, of a young jazz musician in Detroit in high school, wondering if I'd ever, you know, have the funds to go to these kind of shows to see my heroes. And lo and behold, uh, Detroit Renaissance, uh, with the support of our mayor at that time, uh, Coleman Young, and uh, the great Bob McCabe, who became the founder of the Jazz Festival, put together this idea of a free jazz festival and a jazz festival, something that celebrates the core of the art, not just a, a moniker as an excuse to put whatever you wanted on stage to sell tickets, because it was free. And I can tell you, as a young man, as a young musician, getting to see my heroes locally, nationally, really gave me a level of momentum in my career that, that spurs me on to today. And now in this position as president artistic director, I find myself with the responsibility to carry on that important tradition. And uh, you'll see that not only at the festival are there those great legends and those rising stars, but there's also a lot of culmination of competitions and youth education programs that go on year-round because I really believe that the uh, an important part of everything we do, and that includes your, the radio station, anyone in the art ecosystem, is, uh, is to nurture that next generation so the excitement you and I are talking about here yeah. becomes part of their their population you mentioned uh, the past mayor Coleman Young and that got me thinking like yeah dude you can look at the city of Detroit through jazz and you can also look at it through politics <laughs> and you can look at it through both because the relationship for the jazz festival has to be one that has a really close line of communication with the city of Detroit I'm sure you've gotten to know some of the uh, city officials over the course of the last oh, yeah. 37 years uh, you you know, who who have been some of the I don't know most ardent jazz appreciators in local politics? Well, you know we 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 have to mention people like Congressman Conyers. You know, here's someone who's carried the message of Detroit and jazz in our whole region right to D.C. He has jazz programming in Washington, and he's in his office here is full of posters of jazz greats and Thelonious Monk albums and everything in between. And you know, so he's a real head. Oh, he's he's, he's a real head. He's all over it. Yeah. I mean, whatever we can do for him and vice versa. This guy has been a champion for the art form cool. but but you know yeah you, you mentioned something really important few cities in the world can brag about the symbiotic relationship that Detroit shares with jazz. We've fed each other. A lot of jazz artists from Detroit have gone on to shape the very vocabulary of this music over the last hundred and some years. And likewise, the, the sensibilities of jazz, the jazz lifestyle, the freedom mixed with discipline, uh, mixed with communicativeness, is a part of existing in the city of Detroit. There's something that is that subtle 
combination of raw, you know, energy and really sophisticated, um, call it survival to economic influence. It's all in this music we call jazz. So the, the political side is important because it's certainly it's part of the cultural element of our city. And det- uh, uh, jazz has influenced education. It's influenced how we communicate with one another. It's influenced mm-hmm. how we pass information from generation to generation. So all of our mayors have been supportive of the festival. I think they understand how significant it is. And the fact that, you know, it's it's the corporate sponsors, the individual donors that step up every year to ensure artists make a great paycheck, the stages and the sound and the all of the energy is appropriate. So then we can turn around and uh, um, provide uh, four and a half days of jazz for free to the general public. That's thanks to the, you know, to the, the Chase Banks and the Dan Gilberts and the Rock Financials and the Gretchen Valades and Carhartt and all these places that say, we want to make sure artists get paid for their work. Yeah. And then we want to make sure you don't even have to charge a dollar at the door. Because going back when I said when I was a young man in 1980, even if it would have been a buck, I might not have been able to come. You mentioned that you know the Jazz Fest every year puts up rising talent, but also the heavy hitter icons. Last yes. year, the likes of John McLaughlin. This year, you know Ron Carter, who is the artist in residence. And when it comes to jazz bass, I, I think that he is the guy. I mean, he is the the greatest living jazz bassist. I think. I mean, that's in, in my in my own opinion. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty significant. Talk about the responsibility of the Detroit Jazz Festival, Detroit Jazz Foundation. Artist in residence. What what is Ron Carter being tasked with to be the artist in residence? You got it. Well, you know, first we started uh, when I first came in as artistic director five years ago. I want to do a homecoming series every year. This is inviting artists who began here or had a significant impact on Detroit. And there there's many all over the world. And Ron Carter in this case uh, has been part of our homecoming series. But the artist in residence position is quite unique because it's not only about the performances at the festival. Mr. Carter has been here. We've traveled around, seen his old neighborhood, looked at the development of Detroit, gone and eaten at some of our restaurants, let him feel the nature of the city. He's done workshops educationally with some of our high school students with our uh, Detroit All-City Band program. Which What's is, that about? That's, so that's in our Detroit Public Schools. Uh, the Detroit Jazz Fest Foundation has a jazz infusion program. We're now in up to seven schools in Detroit Public Schools. Uh, we teach uh, twice a week. We hire professionals, Marion Hayden, uh, Wendell Harrison. Talk about another great that bass player. There you go. And they're, they're there twice a week in each school. They're assigned to school twice a week throughout the whole year. They do concerts. We do outreach programs. And then from all of that, we allow students from any school in Detroit to audition for the All-City Band, which is the All-Star Band. And i got to tell you, uh, to diverge a little bit, we took that band up to the Mackinac Policy Conference. We set up a jazz festival stage on the lawn of the Island House. We set up uh, uh, with our Detroit Jazz All-Stars and our Detroit All-City Band. And as I say, we dropped the jazz bomb on that policy <laughs> discussion up there, and it caught a lot of attention. That's the good. governor even walked by and stuck his head in and said, what is this about? So I think we started some interesting conversations. But anyway, Ron yeah. did workshops for them. He'd workshops with some university students. He performed at uh, the Dirty Dog Jazz Club for a you know 50-seat audience with him and Russ Malone in a duo setting. You want to talk about that historic moment. And doing all this as an artist in residence and also someone who represents Detroit and the Detroit sound. He came from here. He's carried it with him. You you mentioned it, not only considered one of the greatest bass players, but you know, th- literally, I mean, Guinness confirmed this. He's the most recorded bass player in the history of music. That's incredible. Over 2,000 recordings. And I mean, when you start listening to him, of course, there's the Miles Davis and there's Wayne Shorter, but then you listen to, uh, uh, you know, last time ever I saw your face, you go, oh, 
have Ron Carter's on that track, <laughs> you know. Uh, so there's this there's this real crossover that he took jazz and that jazz, the sound of the acoustic jazz bass, and brought it into so many, many, many music. So at the festival, he's going to be uh, um, performing every single day with a different ensemble. The first opening night, he's opening the festival with his nonette. But dig this. This is the level of creativity of, of right. Ron. His, his quintet with percussion and four cellos. Oh, wow. Because you know, he started as a cellist. I did not know yeah, that. That's play, wild. Yeah, he plays piccolo bass. So, I mean, imagine that as a way to start a music festival. That should get everybody's ears perked up. What is this about, man? You know, and let it evolve from there. The next day, his, uh, he's doing his duo. The following day, his trio and quartet. And the, fol- for the final day, Monday, Labor Day, he'll be closing the festival with the Ron Carter Big Band, all the cats out of New York. I venture to say many folks have never even heard the Ron Carter Big Band. It's something incredibly unique. You mentioned a couple other musicians I want to talk about real quick in a greater contents. Uh, you, you mentioned Marion Hayden mm-hmm. and Wendell Harrison and these youth programs. And that got me thinking of this idea that, you know, Detroit makes cars, makes headlines, and makes jazz musicians. I, I think those are the three things that Detroit makes on a pretty regular basis. I've been told time and time again that Detroit really exports a lot of jazz musicians. So we're grateful when the likes of Marion Hayden and Wendell Harrison stick around in the city of Detroit and, and do that work and do that youth outreach work. But there are just a ton of Detroit musicians who now live in New York or in Washington, D.C., playing the jazz clubs there, all over the world, really. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about this lineage? And it's it's ongoing because of the work that you're doing now in schools. But for a long time now, Detroit has really done uh, some pretty incredible work of producing jazz musicians and then putting them out in the world. You know, you, you put your finger on it. I mean, it's why the Homecoming series is so important. It's why the jazz festival, uh, when, I, when I came in, my biggest thing was we have to reach out to the jazz demographic. We have to find the rising stars. We have to engage the legacy musicians who are here and abroad and say, what are you doing? What do you want to do? Can we commission a piece? Can we work with you to create something special? All of this lends itself to the Detroit Jazz Festival itself is a one of a kind every year. You couldn't see this festival at any price anywhere. And it also stays true to the regionalism that is not only important to our city, but it's really important to jazz. You know, many people, uh, if if you think back, you talk, you'll hear a lot of jazz cats talking about the Kansas City sound, the New York sound, right. the Detroit sound, the Chicago. This was from the diaspora of this music out of its origin place, which was New Orleans, Louisiana, spread throughout the country, and it found you know, the influence of those regions and created something special. That's been lost to some degree because of communications and technology. I'm very proud to say in Detroit, we have a definitive style that has been embraced by every population of young musicians, and we have a sense of mentoring in every general. I received it. I'm passing on and that my students will pass it on to their to their next generation because it's an important part of who we are so it creates this kind of feeling of a regional sound with but but an impact on the on the national scene yeah. and not not only is it about not only is it about how our um, how our artists interpret that and how our youth accept that, but it's something very special for the audiences. They get a chance to have a taste of it. I will tell you that when I travel around, I do a lot of international collaborative kind of things, whether I, you're in Ireland or, or, or Italy or China or Japan or in the Middle East. The folk music of each region is the thing the thread that ties a culture together through wars, through disaster, through displacement, through every every imaginable horrible situation you can think of, it is often their folk art and music that binds us together. And with that description, one could honestly make the connection that jazz music 
is is a folk music of Detroit because it's here. It's never gone away. And when twenty years ago, when people said, you know, the, you know, Detroit, yeah, I read the articles, you know, man, oh, it's in the buildings. Oh, yeah, it's just a dying city. It's really a shame. I'm thinking, dying city. Are you kidding? Have you been there? Right. It's bristling with creative activity at every level in in arts and painting, movement, dance, theater. Um, our electronic scene exploded. We became leaders in that thing, and we end up left with something that is uniquely Detroit in every capacity, and jazz is right in the middle of it. Chris Collins, president and artistic director of the Detroit Jazz Festival Foundation, our guest right now on Detroit Today. I'm Travis Wright. Uh, you know, one of the things that I also wanted to hit on is we mentioned some of these heavy hitters, and we mentioned the youth outreach work and the lineage. What I want to know now, for all those big jazz heads that are listening, every year you can get turned on, your head can get turned inside out by a name that you've never seen before, because people wander around, which I think is a beautiful thing. You should have your schedule out, and you should have the that loose small handful of artists and sets that you absolutely want to check out but then you should also allow yourself the time and the freedom to wander around you're going to run into people and you're going to run into a stage with an artist of somebody that's going to blow your mind who are some of these rising stars this year chris who are some of these people that you've booked this year that people might not know they're they're not the household names but you just can't personally wait to see and really can't wait for the rest of us detroiters to check out as well we actually put a series together that touches on that and it gets into this world of uh, cats like uh, well you know everyone knows Lisa Fisher from the film uh, uh, that that she was involved in but you know Lisa does this set with her quintet it's going to blow your mind pop music like you've never heard it mixed with jazz standards we have another vocalist the great Luciana Souza she does syllabic vocal elements with an incredible band of line uh, wow syllabic vocal elements yeah. so, so uh, let's are go you back. talking about like scatting I mean well, what, what, with syllabic vocal elements when, when we talk it gets a little confusing you're right because right? what I'm going back to I think the best reference for folks is go back and listen to Duke Ellington with Ivy Anderson mm. go check out Duke Ellington and the Creole love call that he did there there's syllabic vocals that become an instrument in the band and it's not just scatting it's actually composed elements that blend with the instrumentalist and become improvisational it walks the line between jazz classical and world musics and then when you talk about great scatting I mean we, we have to mention uh, Roberta Gambarini she born in Torino been living in New York for this 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 woman is unbelievable. She is the, the name again one more time. Roberta Gambarini. Right, and when she's is she playing, playing Monday? And she's the set is with Jimmy Heath, the legend, because she's been working with Jimmy and putting lyrics to all of Jimmy's compositions. You want to talk about a meeting of the minds? Jimmy's 90 years old. Um, speaking of 90, if you haven't seen Randy Weston, he's 90. Randy's coming with, uh, with playing with the Wayne State Big Band right here out of Detroit and putting his special stuff together. It's going to be a riot. Jimmy's an old friend. He's going to join him on there. And then we have some really new things like uh, um, string orchestra with the great trumpeter Roy Hargrove one night with brand new arrangements for Roy. And then the next night, Roy's playing with his RH Factor, which is a more high-end thing. You can't miss the Soul Rebels out of New Orleans. You talk about energy, excitement. And oh, I love New band. Orleans. I love the Soul that's Rebels, too, because they, they reach back and they pay respect to uh, you know all the musicians that came before them. And, of course, the lineage of New Orleans jazz is so rich. But then, you know, it's 2016, and they're not afraid to show that it's 2016 exactly. and take it there as well. Exactly. Friday night itself, opening night. You can't miss it. We have our opening night party. Ron Carter opens the set. 
We're going to drop the Soul Rebels bomb right in the middle of it, all, everything there. And then uh, George Benson, the great legendary guitarist, will close the set to, I'm sure, everyone's delight. All right. I, and the last thing that I wanted to ask, because I know this is an incredibly busy time for you. Uh, you're bouncing all around. You're, you're having to make sure that logistically the festival is running. And I'm sure, you know, the, the, the Tuesday is when you can really reflect on it all. But... <laughs> Do you find do you get to find a couple moments here and there to enjoy it, or is it just so much work for you? You know, as you were coming in today, I was just thinking it's so much fun for me, and it's so much work for you. Please tell me that at some point in time you get to take a break, have a cold drink, and listen to some jazz. Oh, listen, man, I'm a musician. This is just part of my life. Any musician will tell you it's a patchwork of stuff. I'm a professor here at Wayne. I direct the jazz studies program. I tour around the world with my own ensembles. I play locally with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra occasionally. And I'm the president director of the Detroit Jazz Festival. It all weaves together. It all feeds off one another. And I take great delight in supplying artists with an incredible opportunity. I take great delight. I lead the jam, the Detroit Jam Session on Friday nights, which make the jam sessions 1130 to 2 every night at the hotel. I take great delight when I'm running around. And then there are those moments where I sit with an artist or I decide to sit in on a set or we have a late session and the cats show up. Um, or something as simple as this year, Freddie Cole's doing a tribute to the Cole family legacy, the last living member of that great uh, that great musical family, a, tri- a tribute to Nat and Natalie, very special with string orchestra and so on and so forth. But then at night in the hotel, Saturday and Sunday, you can go up and in a vault in the archives, we've uncovered the 1950s Nat King Cole television program with Eartha Kitt and Johnny Mercer, and the list goes on and on, with the Nelson Riddle Orchestra as the house band, by That's the way. Fun. And uh, we're going to do a viewing of for those episodes each night. So those are the moments when I sit back and I realize I'm in the middle of, first of all, an incredible jazz festival team that works year-round, incredible sponsors, the great Gretchen Valet, the angel of this music who has saved the festival. And I realize I'm in, this, in the middle of a historic moment that, brings music, uh, joy, peace, communication, togetherness in our community, and education all together into one moment. And I get to, I get to see it all swirled around me, and um, it's, it's an opportunity that I, um, I'm thankful for every day. And uh, I reflect on constantly to make sure the responsibilities that are upon me are taken seriously and responded to at every level I'm capable of. That's what's up. Chris, a real pleasure, man. Hey, Thanks man. so much for Thank coming you, in. Bro. I really appreciate it. Chris Collins, president and artistic director of the Detroit Jazz Festival Foundation and kicking it all off on Friday. Of course, that's going down Labor Day weekend from New Orleans. It's the Soul Rebels. This is a little bit of sweet dreams are made of this right here on 1019 WDET. I'm Travis Wright. You're listening to Detroit Today.